0: Section Ten of Scott's Last Expedition, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Scott's Last Expedition, Volume One, The Journals of Robert Falcon Scott, arranged by Leonard Huxley. Chapter Five, Depot Lane to One Ten Camp tuesday january twenty fourth people were busy in the hut all last night we got away at nine a a.m. A boat from the terra nova fetched the western party and myself as the ponies were led out of the camp miris and wilson went ahead of the ponies to test the track on board the ship i was taken in to see lily's catch of sea animals it was wonderful quantities of sponges isopods pentapods large shrimps corals etc etc but the pays de resistance was the capture of several buckets full of cephalodiscus of which only seven pieces had been previously caught lily is immensely pleased feeling that it alone repays the whole enterprise in the forenoon we skirted the island getting thirty and forty fathoms of water north and west of inaccessible island. With a telescope we could see the string of ponies steadily progressing over the sea-ice past the Razorback Islands. As soon as we saw them well advanced we steamed on to the Glacier Tongue. The open water extended just round the corner and the ship made fast in the narrow angle made by the sea-ice with the glacier, her port side flush with the surface of the latter. I walked over to meet the ponies whilst Campbell went to investigate a broad crack in the sea-ice on the southern road. The ponies were got on the tongue without much difficulty, then across the glacier and picketed on the sea-ice close to the ship. Meanwhile Campbell informed me that the big crack was thirty feet across, it was evident we must get past it on the glacier and i asked campbell to peg out a road clear of cracks oates reported the ponies ready to start again after tea and they were led along campbell's road their loads having already been taken on the floe all went well until the animals got down on the floe level and oates led across an old snowed-up crack his and the next pony got across but the third made a jump at the edge and sank to its stomach in the middle it could not move and with such struggles as it made it sank deeper till only its head and forelegs showed above the slush with some trouble we got ropes on these and hauling together pulled the poor creature out looking very weak and miserable and trembling much we led the other ponies round farther to the west and eventually got all out on the floe gave them a small feed, and started them off with their loads. The dogs meanwhile gave some excitement. Starting on hard ice with a light load, nothing could hold them, and they dashed off over everything. It seemed wonderful that we all reached the flow in safety. Wilson and I drive one team, whilst Evans and Murrays drive the other. I withhold my opinion of the dogs in much doubt, as to whether they are going to be a real success but the ponies are going to be real good they work with such extraordinary steadiness stepping out briskly and cheerfully following in each other's tracks the great drawback is the ease with which they sink in soft snow they go through in lots of places where the men scarcely make an impression they struggle pluckily when they sink but it is trying to watch them we came with the loads noted below, and one bale of fodder, 105 pounds, added to each sludge. We are camped six miles from the glacier, and two from Hut Point, a cold east wind. Tonight the temperature, 19 degrees. Autumn party to start, January 25th, 1911. Twelve men, eight ponies, twenty-six dogs. Footnote viz. Atkinson and Crayon, who were left at safety camp, E. Evans, Ford and Keohane, who returned with the weaker ponies on february thirteenth, Mary's and Wilson, with the dog teams, and Scott, Bowers, Oates, Cherry garrard and Lashley. End of footnote. First load estimated five thousand three hundred eighty five pounds, including 14 weeks' food and fuel for men. Taken to cash, number 1. Ship transports following to Glacier Tongue. 130 bales compressed fodder, 13,650 pounds. 24 cases dog biscuit, 1,400 pounds. 10 sacks of oats, 1,600 pounds, question mark. Total... 16,650 pounds. Teams return to ship to transport this load to cache number one. Dog teams also take on 500 pounds of biscuit from Hut Point. Pony sledges, pounds. On all sledges. Sledge with straps and tank, 52 pounds. Pony furniture, 25 pounds. Driver's ski and sleeping bag, etc., 40 pounds numbers 1 and 5 cooker and primus instruments 40 pounds note from the glossary primus a portable stove for cooking end of note tank containing biscuit 172 sack of oats 160 tent and poles 28 alpine rope 5 one oil can and spirit can Fifteen. Total five hundred thirty seven. Numbers two and six. Oil one hundred. Tank contents. Food bags two hundred eighty five. Ready provision bag sixty three. Two picks twenty. Total four hundred sixty eight. Numbers three and seven. Oil one hundred. Tank contents. Biscuit one hundred ninety six sack of oats 160 two shovels nine total 465 numbers 4 and 8 box with tools and such 35 cookers and such 105 tank contents food bags 252 sack of oats 160 three long bamboos and spare gear 15. Total 567. Spare gear per man. Two pairs under socks, two pairs outer socks, one pair hair socks, one pair night socks, one pajama jacket, one pajama trousers, one woolen mitts, two finesco, skein equals ten pounds, books, diaries, tobacco, and such, two total twelve pounds dress vest and drawers woolen shirt jersey balaclava windsuit two pair socks ski boots dogs number one sledge straps and tanks fifty four pounds Driver's ski and bags eighty cooker primus and instruments fifty tank contents biscuit Two hundred twenty one alpine rope five lamps and candles four two shovels nine ready provision bag sixty three sledge meter two total four hundred eighty eight pounds number two sledge straps and tanks fifty four driver's ski and bags eighty tank contents food bags three hundred twenty four Tent and poles, 33, total, 491 pounds. 10-foot sledge, men's harness, extra tent. Thursday, January 26. Yesterday I went to the ship with the dog team. All went well, till the dogs caught sight of a whale breaching in the 30-foot lead, and promptly made for it. It was all we could do to stop them before we reached the water spent the day writing letters and completing arrangements for the ship. A brisk northly breeze sprang up in the night, and the ship bumped against the glacier, until the pack came in as protection from the swell. Ponies and dogs arrived about 1 p.m., and at 5 we all went out for the final start. A little earlier, Pennell had the men aft, and I thanked them for their splendid work. They had behaved like bricks, and a finer lot of fellows never sailed in a ship. It was good to get their hearty send-off. Before we could get away, Ponting had his half-hour, photographing us, the ponies and the dog-teams. I hope you will have made a good thing of it. It was a little sad to say farewell to all these good fellows, and Campbell and his men. I do most heartily trust that all will be successful in their ventures for indeed their unselfishness and their generous high spirit deserves reward god bless them so here we are with all our loads one wonders what the upshot will be it will take three days to transport the loads to complete safety the break-up of the sea ice ought not to catch us before that the wind is from the southeast again to-night friday january twenty-seventh camp two started at nine-thirty and moved a load of fodder three and three-quarter miles south returned to camp to lunch then shifted camp and provisions our weights are now divided into three loads two of food for ponies one of men's provisions with some ponies food it is slow work but we retreat slowly but surely from the chance of going out on the sea-ice we are camped about a mile south of Sea Armitage. After camping, I went to the east, till abreast of Pram Point, finding the ice dangerously thin off Sea Armitage. It is evident we must make a considerable detour to avoid danger. The rest of the party went to the discovery hut to see what could be done towards sticking it out. The report is unfavorable, as I expected. The drift inside has become very solid. It would take weeks of work to clear it. A great deal of biscuit and some butter, cocoa, and such, was seen, so that we need not have any anxiety about provisions, if delayed in returning to Cape Evans. The dogs are very tired to-night. I have definitely handed the control of the second team to Wilson. He was very eager to have it, and will do well, I'm sure but certainly also the dogs will not pull heavy loads. Five hundred pounds proved a back-breaking load for eleven dogs today. They brought it at a snail's pace. Mirus has estimated to give them two-thirds of a pound of biscuit a day. I have felt sure he will find this too little. The ponies are doing excellently. Their loads run up to eight hundred and nine hundred pounds, and they make very light of them. Oates says he could have gone on for some time to-night. SATURDAY, JANUARY 28TH, CAMP 2 The ponies went back for the last load at Camp 1, and I walked south to find a way round the great pressure ridge. The sea ice south is covered with confused, irregular sastrugi, well-remembered from discovery days. The pressure ridge is new. The broken ice of the ridge ended east of the spot I approached and the pressure was seen only in a huge domed wave, the hollow of which, on my left, was surrounded with a countless number of seals. These lay about, sleeping or, apparently, gambling in the shallow water. I imagine the old ice in this hollow has gone well under, and that the seals have a pool above it which may be warmer on such a bright day. It was evident that the ponies could be brought round by this route, and i returned to camp to hear that one of the ponies Keohanes, had gone lame the soldier took a gloomy view of the situation but he's not an optimist it looks as though a tendon had been strained but it is not at all certain bower's pony is also weak in the forelegs but we knew this before it is only a question of how long he will last the pity is that he is an excellently strong pony otherwise atkinson has a bad hill and laid up all day his pony was tied behind another sledge and went well a very hopeful sign in the afternoon i led the ponies out two and three-quarter miles south to the crossing of the pressure ridge then east one and a quarter till we struck the barrier edge and ascended it going about a half a mile in we dumped the loads the ponies sank deep just before the loads were dropped "'but it looked as though the softness was due to some rise in the surface. "'We saw a dark object a quarter of a mile north as we reached the barrier. "'I walked over and found it to be the tops of two tents, more than half buried. "'Shackleton's tents, we suppose. "'A moulting emperor penguin was sleeping between them. "'The canvas on one tent seemed intact, but half stripped from the other. "'The ponies pulled splendidly to-day as also the dogs, but we have decided to load both lightly from now on, to march them easily, and to keep as much life as possible in them. There is much to be learnt as to their powers of performance. Keohane says, Come on, lad, you'll be getting to the pole, by way of cheering his animal. All the party is cheerful. There never were a better set of people. Sunday, January twenty ninth, camp two this morning after breakfast i read prayers excellent day the seven good ponies have made two journeys to the barrier covering eighteen geographical miles half with good loads none of them were at all done oates's pony a spirited nervous creature got away at start when his head was left for a moment and charged through camp at a gallop finally his sledge cannoned into another the swingle-tree broke and he galloped away kicking furiously at the dangling trace oates fetched him when he had quieted down and we found that nothing had been hurt or broken but the swingle-tree grand tried going on ski with his pony all went well while he was alongside but when he came up from the back the swish of the ski frightened the beast who fled faster than his pursuer that is the pony and load were going better than the norwegian on ski gran is doing very well he has a lazy pony and a good deal of work to get him along and does it very cheerfully the dogs are doing excellently getting into better condition every day they ran the first load one mile twelve hundred yards past the stores on the barrier to the spot chosen for safety camp the big home depot I don't think that any part of the barrier is likely to go, but it's just as well to be prepared for everything, and our camp must deserve its distinctive title of safety. In the afternoon, the dogs ran a second load to the same place, covering over 24 geographical miles in the day. An excellent day's work. Footnote from Dr. Wilson's Journal, January twenty-ninth. The seals have been giving a lot of trouble that is, just to Marys and myself with our dogs. The whole teams go absolutely crazy when they sight them or get wind of them, and there are literally hundreds along some of the cracks. Occasionally, when one pictures oneself quite away from trouble of that kind, an old seal will pop his head up at a blowhole, a few yards ahead of the team, and they are all on top of him before one can say knife then one has to rush in with the whip and every one of the team of eleven jumps over the harness of the dog next to him and the harnesses become a muddle that takes much patience to unravel not to mention care lest the whole team should get away with the sledge and its load and leave one behind to follow on foot at leisure i never did get left the whole of this depot journey but I was often very near it, and several times had only time to seize a strap or a part of the sledge, and be dragged along helter-skelter over everything that came in the way, till the team got sick of galloping and one could struggle to one's feet again. One gets very wary and wide awake when one has to manage a team of eleven dogs and a sledge load by oneself. But it was a most interesting experience, and I had a delightful leader, starik by name, Russian for old man, and he was the most wise old man. We have to use Russian terms with all our dogs. kai kai means go to the right, chui means go to the left, eshto means lie down, and the remainder are mostly swear words which mean everything else which one has to say to a dog team. Dog driving, like this, in the orthodox manner, is a very different thing to the beastly dog-driving we perpetrated in the discovery days. I got to love all my team, and they got to know me well, and my old leader, even now, six months after I have had anything to do with him, never fails to come and speak to me whenever he sees me, and he knows me in my voice ever so far off. He is quite a ridiculous old man, and quite the nicest, quietest, cleverest old dog I have ever come across. He looks and face as if he knew all the wickedness of all the world, and all its cares, and as if he were bored to death by them. End of footnote. Evans and I took a load out on foot over the pressure ridge. The camp load alone remains to be taken to the barrier. Once we get to safety camp, we can stay as long as we like before starting our journey. It is only when we start that we must travel fast. Most of the day it has been overcast, but tonight it has cleared again. There is very little wind. The temperatures of late have been ranging from 9 degree at night to 24 degree in the day. Very easy circumstances for sledging. Monday, January 30th, Camp 3, Safety Camp. Barings, Lat, 77.55, Cape Armitage, North, 64 West, Camel's Hump of Blue Glacier, Left, Extreme, Castle Rock, North, 40 West, called the camp at 7.30, finally left with ponies at 11.30. There was a good deal to do, which partly accounts for delays, but we shall have to buck up with our camp arrangement. Atkinson had his foot lanced, and should be well in a couple of days. I led the lame pony. His leg is not swelled, but I fear he's developed a permanent defect. There are signs of ring bone, and the hoof is split. A great shock came when we passed the depot fodder, and made for the camp. The ponies sank very deep, and only brought on their loads with difficulty, getting pretty hot. The distance was but one and a half miles, but it took more out of them than the rest of the march. We camped and held a council of war after lunch. I unfolded my plan, which is to go forward with five weeks' food for men and animals, to depot a fortnight's supply after twelve or thirteen days, and return here. The loads for ponies thus arranged work out a little over six hundred pounds, for the dog team's seven hundred pounds, both apart from sledges. The ponies ought to do it easily, if the surface is good enough for them to walk, which is doubtful. The dogs may have to be lightened, such as it is. It is the best we can do, under the circumstances. This afternoon I went forward on ski to see if the conditions changed. In two or three miles I could see no improvement. Bowers, Garrard, and the three men went and dug out the Nimrod tent. They found a cooker and provisions, and remains of a hastily abandoned meal. One tent was half full of hard ice, the result of thaw. The Willisden canvas was rotten except some material used for the doors. The floor cloth could not be freed. The soldier doesn't like the idea of fetching up the remainder of the loads to this camp with the ponies. I think we will bring on all we can with the dogs and take the risk of leaving the rest. The Nimrod camp was evidently made by some relief or ship party, and if that has stood fast for so long, there should be little fear for our stuff in a single season. Tomorrow we muster stores, build the depot, and pack our sledges. Tuesday, January 31st, Camp 3. We have everything ready to start. But this afternoon we tried our one pair of snow-shoes on Weary Willie. The effect was magical. He strolled around as though walking on hard ground in places where he floundered woefully without them. Oates hasn't had any faith in these shoes at all, and I thought that even the quietest pony would need to be practiced in their use. Immediately after our experiment I decided that an effort must be made to get more and within half an hour Maris and Wilson were on their way to the station more than twenty miles away. There is just the chance that the ice may not have gone out, but it is a very poor one, I fear. At present it looks as though we might double our distance with the snow-shoes. Atkinson is better today, but not by any means well, so that the delay is in his favour. We cannot start on till the dogs return with or without the shoes. The only other hope for this journey is that the barrier gets harder farther out, but I feel that the prospect of this is not very bright. In any case, it is something to have discovered the possibilities of these shoes. Low temperature at night for first time, min 2.4 degree, quite warm and tent. End of first part of chapter 5